This is the 4 Nil Written All Over It podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 4 Nil Written All Over It podcast. Episode 15 has arrived in your ears and for the next half an hour, myself and my colleague, brother and close ally, Ollie, are here ready for another conversation. How's things, mate? Uh, it's been a brilliant week, hasn't it, Just? To be a Pompey fan, it's been great of late. It's been enjoyable, it's been exciting, and I think we're all now, we're all getting a bit more excited about the end of the season now than maybe we were a couple of weeks back. So, yeah, good good time to be us. We're glossing over the 5-2 Hampshire Cup loss on Tuesday, are we? We're just going to yeah, not, not mention not, that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so bothered about that, I'll be honest. No. Although it was a good opportunity for some of our players to get out and get some game time, which is nice to see Jay Mingi and, and people of that coming back into the fold, isn't it? I have actually written it down just to quickly go through later on, so we'll do that. We're probably 24 hours early with the episode this week and um, we'll be moving forward into this time slot more regularly than, than not. So hopefully this is suitable for you. An extra day to listen to this before the weekend approaching. We have, of course, got our Rovers retribution to talk about. Pompey completed the double over Jerry Barton last weekend. We'll also have a look ahead to the visit of Port Vale to Fratton Park. We'll do a real-time assessment of Pompey's renewed playoff glimmers. Plus, we'll take a wider look, wider look at the world of football. Ollie's going to give us a, um, a bit of a mathematical schooling lesson in the way money is invested into various leagues. So definitely something to stick around for, which most people do stick around right to the end as well. So thank you if you are one of those people. Um, right, Bristol Rovers last weekend then. It's approaching a week or so since you, um, well, by the time we listen to this, since we played them, we did play some good football. We were brave on the ball. We were risk takers. And Ollie, you can't argue with five goals in two games this week, and more broadly, seven goals in our last five league games. Exactly. I, I think it just speaks volumes, doesn't it, of the, the difference that we're seeing now as fans of Pompey from what we were seeing at the start of the season. You know, we, we've said for a little while we were very toothless. We've been toothless for seasons. It, it's not something new. You know, I, I've got friends that are Charlton fans that have come to watch Charlton play Pompey, and they, they've said after the game, you know, we... We actually play very good football on the ball, but it's just the final third where we've been really lacking. Um, under this Massinho era, we seem to be a lot more aggressive towards the goal. We seem to be a lot more goal-driven, which is, if you think about it, quite strange because it's, you know, coming from... He's a very defensive player in, in his career, and that's where he's come from. But then I guess he also knows what defenders don't like to happen against them. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been enjoyable. That's for sure. I mean, that's what everyone wants to see, right? We, we all want to see... Goals in games. No one wants to see a nil-nil or a one-nil, really. You know, one-nil loss is awful, isn't it? It's got to be the worst result in history. Um, so, yeah, I mean, seeing lots of goals go in and going in our favour as well is has been excellent. It's been very exciting. And I think it's, it's bringing back that expectancy around Fratton and that joy around Fratton and the, the atmosphere that we all, you know, know so well. Yeah. is returning to the club that maybe we, we lost for that little 12-game streak in the middle. And it's, of course, absolutely... Um, sound, please. That'll pick up on here. Um, it's, of course, absolutely no surprise that all the goals have started to come flying in and, and the amount of goals from dead ball situations as well. I know Massinio was Oxford United's set-piece coach and he always gives Joe Prodomo, who's our new set-piece coach or was a, a goalkeeper coach under Danny Cowley, a lot of credit for what we've been putting together. But it's no coincidence that as soon as he comes in, all of a sudden, 
we're doing miraculously well from dead ball set piece situations and um, it's paying off. Yeah, I think it's not just that, it's defending them well as well. You know, I think um, I think we, we aren't conceding so many goals from those set piece and those dead ball situations, uh, which is obviously massively important because that's something that really let us down in the, the sort of start to mid part of the season. Um, we were conceding from a lot of corners and a lot of free kicks, whereas, we, you know, in, in reality, we're, we're not really conceding that many goals at all. And the goals we are conceding are against the, the top sides, like your Peterboroughs. You know, another great uh, clean sheet against Bristol Rovers. And we're, we're pushing on really well with, with how we're playing football. And it it seems to me that because of our, our setup and our attacking sort of mentality, that when we are conceding the odd goal here and there, it's coming a bit more from open play. But the fact that that's going to happen when you're playing a, a bit more of a countery style, aggressive style of football, when you're loading the box, getting men forward, you're going to leave yourself a bit more open at the back. So the fact that we're not conceding in other areas shows, I think, how solid we are at the back. Um, and I think it, it, it's obviously a massive credit to, to Macy as well. You know, he's been an excellent addition to the squad. Um, mm. Can't speak, you know, highly enough of him. We, I mean, we've, we thought we've had some good keeps in the past with obviously McGilvery, um, Bazunu, Bazunu, Bass, you know, but the reality of it is Bazunu made some absolute stinkers for us. And it was sort of that, it, it was though, wasn't it? Last season, you, you saw the odd goal slide in past him. God knows why he got sold for 19 million. Like, it, it bonkers amount of money for, for someone of, of his level, if I'm honest. But, um, I mean, I know he's young and everything and experience and, and all that kind of stuff, but you still feel like that's a that's a big sum of money for someone who keeps making little mistakes in games and important mistakes as well as it as it proved to be for us. So yeah, I, I think that it's nice to see now Macy really showcasing what you know a good keeper he is and what a, a, what we should expect in in our level in our league because having him from the start of the season and playing like this, there's no doubt we'll be fighting for those top spots right now. Colby does so well. We're talking about goal keepers let's talk about goal scorers Colby always does so well so consistently he, he does so much more than score he's leading the life from the front he's great with his feet and he's everything you want from a striker he said it to Henry after the game if we just keep winning let's see what happens Pompey fans obviously been voicing their concerns on the socials over the weekend uh, about the about the fact that Colby Bishop has a Pompey player next season and whether or not that will be something that happens it's of course something we'd all love to see Football is cash-orientated business, so should an offer for Colby come into Pompey that we can't refuse, Ollie? Where do you stand? Um, we got to hold on to players. I said it last week. You know, we we had some great players over the last three, four seasons that we keep selling and we keep getting rid of. You know, Clark being one of them. Um, Jamal Lowe. Harness going, Jamal Lowe Chaplin, going. Yeah, yeah Chaplin. Christian yeah. Burgess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people wrote Burgess off, and that he was like, he wasn't even in the squad. Remember when we had Clark and that in there? Um, he was hardly playing. And then when Clark got sold, all of a sudden he started playing in the squad, and he was, you know, one of our our main centre backs, and he was class. And then he's gone off to Bruges or wherever he's gone now to play football. Um, and, and fair Europa play, league quarter finalist, mate. Yeah, and I, I, fair play, he deserves it. He was great with his feet. He was strong in the air. You know, he's a good personality as well. He did a lot in the community. He was a really, really good bloke, Burgess. Um, so it was a shame to lose him. But the, the problem is we keep going through this cycle of almost bringing players through that show quality, shipping them off, and then getting some other, like, 
I don't know, free transfers, loanies, and that to fill the space. And at the end of the day, a bit of consistency in the squad has proven with Arteta at Arsenal. You know, having the right players in the right place. I mean, look at what Pep's done at City. You know, he doesn't chop and change all the time. A lot of people go, oh, yeah, he's changed a lot of players. But the majority of players in his starting eleven have been there for more than two seasons. So you've got to look at that and go, what breeds success? Is it stability or is it buying in the big names? And I think that we need, we've got some good names for our league in our squad, like Colby um, being one of them, Dale being another. I very much believe he's a very, very good player for us. Um, Paddy Lane, obviously just signing. Uh, Towler's come in and he's been playing really well. We've got obviously Robertson, Thompson, the list goes on. We've got a lot of very strong players. Now, if we start to sell a couple of those key players and we've got a replacement with someone, you lose that that glue that, that holds the whole squad together and that team aspect of it. What we need to do is have an environment where the players don't want to leave because they're enjoying their football so much, which I believe they probably are in that sort of phase at the moment. But also we need to put our money where our mouth is and go, you know what? He might want to leave because he's going to get a better contract or he's going to a better club in the champ. But let's sell him on the fact that We've got an opportunity to go to the champ if he get if he stays with us. We've got an opportunity for promotion and trophies if he stays with us. And actually, we're happy to pay you a bit more to keep you because we're more interested in our future than we are in the the short term gain of you know let's get five hundred grand to a million pounds in the bank. It's, it's been a lot of um, well, we we only paid five hundred grand for him, and Pompey Man's been saying they they take nothing less than five billion quid at this moment in time for <laughs> for Colby Bishop. Um, he's also, of course, only 26 and is still going to be worth a lot of money in two seasons' time. And there's no reason for Pompey to sell him at the moment as well. Yeah, it's, it's, the only reason I see us selling him is if he's unhappy at the club with us. If he's, which he's some, not. Which he isn't at the moment, as far as we're aware, obviously. But if someone comes in with a wedge load of money offering to move him up to the champ and he's got an opportunity to pay play at a very high level for a good sum of money, then is he likely to turn that down? That's the question. And if he's very stable, he knows in the start and 11, he knows what he's doing, he can see the opportunity, he can see the future, then I think he'd be more inclined to stay. Um, but we have to sell him on that. We can't, be, and we may have to pay up a lot big, like I said last week, we may have to go, you know what, your salary at the minute is X amount of thousands a week. We'll add this to your uh to your salary as bonuses for this season. So for every goal you score, effectively, you'll be earning the same kind of money and incentivise him in, in that manner to, to keep him. Because at the end of the day, money does talk in football. He is a 20-plus goal striker, 22 at the time of recording this podcast, Ollie. Do you think he will be difficult to keep hold of? Colby's got to be one of the most prolific strikers in our league. Um, you, you look at the top goal scorers in our league, I you know, you've got... Uh, Johnson Clark Harris from Peterborough on 22, Colby on 18, Connor Chaplin on 16, and we said we should have got rid of him when we were in League Two. What a ridiculous statement that was! Not we, the club did. Um, Kenny Jacket did. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're looking quite a long way down the list before. I mean, Derby, the next top scorer, they're above us as well. Um, you've got to go a long way down the list before you find a striker that's outscoring their position in terms of like Colby is for us. You know, he's above both uh, the top Ipswich goal scorer and the top Derby goal scorer, which are obviously a higher position in the league than we're in at the moment. They've obviously won more games, had more opportunities to score goals and score more goals than us to be in that position in the first place. And yet he's still performing at that level. So 
I would say he's going to be difficult to hold on to because he's arguably one of the most prolific strikers in the league this season. Um, and You're calling him prolific, that checks out massively. Colby Bishop's shot conversion rate is 22.5%, which is the highest of the top 12 strikers in League One. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at them, top place is 15%. He's got, he's 7% more likely to score when he's got a shot than the, the top goal scorer in the league. Hmm. Um, you know, who's it? Sam Smith there, 4.6%. He's in third place. <laughs> How is that possible? You know, he, he, every 10 shots he has, he's lucky if he scores one. He has to have 20 to score a goal. Colby, on the other hand, has to have, what, four? You know, it, it speaks volumes, doesn't it, in terms of his ability to, to turn an opportunity into a goal. And I think that's something that we really can't lose sight of, of how valuable that kind of a performance is to us. Because you imagine if you start putting him in a position where he's got more opportunities to score goals. I mean, you look under this Messino era, he's thrived in recent weeks, hasn't he? He's scored plenty of goals in recent times. Yeah. Um, and I think that's solely down to the fact we are being more aggressive, we are being more attacking, we are putting the ball into the box more, and it gives someone like him an opportunity to score goals. So if we get rid of him this at the end of this season, we sell him. You know, we we need to. It needs to be for a massive amount of money, and we need to replace him with someone equally as good, because we we can't be sat here going right. Let's get this five million quid in, chuck it in the bank, and get a loanee in or a free transfer, and hope for the best that he's going to be all right. We we need to be looking into next season, going what's going to get us promoted. The way we're playing football will get us into the championship next year. So we need to keep the players and the structure we've got. Add in the areas where we're slightly weak, maybe maybe a new centre-back, maybe a new, I was going to say left-back. But I feel that's a bit harsh on Ogilvy because he's played quite well recently. Um, and he's, he's gone massively up in my estimation. So, yeah, I think that I think that it'd be interesting to see what we do come the end of the season. I really hope for our sake that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel as more of an incentive to push forward rather than the light at the end of the tunnel as something to go, let's get a bit of money now and let's just try and hold our position or, or sneak a promotion next season. There's um, a penalty shout in the... Um... Let me try that again. Let's talk about the penalty then. Stonewall for me, Ollie. I don't know how you felt about it. The pull down on Paddy Lane. I think the referee, James Bell, got that one pretty spot on, much to Joey Barton's discontent. Yeah, well, I mean, I was watching the rugby on the weekend and it was very similar to what happened in that, to be fair. He just got grabbed and pulled to the floor, didn't he? Um, whether, you know, Colby obviously didn't have possession of the ball. I know we did at the time. It's Paddy. Keeper. Paddy, sorry. Um, didn't have possession of the ball. He was grabbed, pulled down in the middle of the box with an opportunity to score a goal. There's no other way it can go, is there? You can't be putting your hands on someone in the box and expecting to get away with it. So, yeah, it is definitely a penalty. There's no question about it. What about the um, the handbags then? What about the, the challenge that, that came <laughs> flying in um, from Jarrell Kwanzaa on, on Joe Morrell? Two red cards for you, one for the challenge and one for the... God, I wouldn't call it a headbutt, but the contact with a head? Oh, oh, mate, it's just... You can see the frustration in them boiling over, can't you? That, that whole clip shows it. For those of you that haven't watched, obviously, you could go watch the highlights oh. or on our... On our channel, if you go to uh, Fauna Written All Over It on YouTube, you'll be able to see it all. <laughs> if you don't already watch that and you listen to us, I don't know what you're doing. Um, no, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can see it clear as day. You know, we're, we're playing this little ticker tackery type football. 
passing and moving, passing and moving, and we're giving them nothing. And and I think that, and obviously the crowd's going, playing up to it as well with the old whoos every time we complete the pass. And you could just see him slowly getting more and more wound up. And he just goes, you know what, I'm going to slap this bloke. And he goes flying through the back of him, which in itself is a red. You know, he's literally chopped him. There's there's no two ways about it. He hasn't really played the ball. It's just frustration. He's gone, I'm going to take him out. And then that's embroiled by the fact that he's then stood up afterwards, squared up to him and put his head to his head and almost pushed him over like a headbutt. So, yeah, I think that it's a mixture of those two things that have caused that sending off. But for me, again, it's 100% a red card and the referees made the right decision there. Um, but I think it speaks volumes for the, the quality of football that we're playing going forward when we've got the ball, that we're that confident to, to play that type of football. You know, it, it was it's very enjoyable to see. And just a final point on Bristol Rovers, Colby Bishop, Matt Macy and Riley Towler each earning themselves a place in various teams of the week in terms of ratings across the spectrum. So fantastic for those three who equally have a claim to be to have a, a man of the match performance for them the weekend. Yeah, agreed. You know, like we, I mean, we said at the start of the, the, the pod, haven't we, quite clearly that Matt Macy's been excellent for us. He made some fantastic saves in that game again. Um, Colby's just a goal machine, isn't he? He just keeps putting them away game after game. He's Mr. Consistent, you know, throughout the whole season. He's been like that for us. So that there's no doubts there at all about those two. Who was the third again, sorry? Riley Towler and Joe Morrell probably as well. And they're, they're both Bristol City boys as well. So maybe their oh, game I was slightly I was raised. Say, I bet those boys were well up for that game. Yeah. Um, I was away this weekend with a load of Bristol City fans and uh, they were they were very much enjoying the Pompey score. <laughs> so very good, very enjoyable to be away with those boys this weekend, it must be said. Um, and then just finally, finally, I know I said we, we, this is kind of about the last three games as a whole, but there have been one, two, three, four red cards in our last three games as opposed to very few red cards in, in any games previous to that. So I don't know. Quite know why. What's that? It's not. They're not all our way. Obviously, two of them been for us, and two of them have been for the opposition. But sorry, no, they haven't. One of them has been for us, That's and three of them have been for the opposition. Um, I, I, I think that speaks down to our aggression at the minute. You know, we are okay. being very much a forceful team. We're going out to dominate teams. We're not going out to to get a nil-nil draw. You know, we're going out to get a three-one win, or we'll lose three-one. It's kind of the way it is. Um, but against the, the lower league, the lower the league teams, we're, we're certainly going out with that mentality of battering them. Um, but when you are being very physical, typically in those types of games of football, is when you see the change in, in attitude from the other side because they're not used to you going shoulder to shoulder and being dominant, being strong, and fighting for the ball in the box and putting your body on the line. They, they don't like it. So when all of a sudden that starts happening to them, they think, God, I'd better give a bit back. And that's when you see this kind of almost like, war ground type mentality to football. Slightly quieter week for Pompey this week. Of course, on Tuesday night, we had the Hampshire Cup defeat to Bournemouth. Probably the less we reflect on that, the better. Concerned by how bad of a night both Clark Robertson and Denver Hume had. Of course, a massive, 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 massive lack of minutes. That's what you get when you try to say massive lack too quickly. You get massic for the pair of them. <laughs> However, both put in a well below par performance. Great to see, as you mentioned at the top of the show, to see some of the boys for the future at the club performing as freely as they did. Kobe Motto on the score sheet before the Bournemouth onslaught. Special shout out for Harvey Laidlaw as well, who came on and did himself really proud. Crikey, that was an odding kicking in, mate. Yeah, it was an awful. Please don't say that. That's definitely not for the ears of the listeners. Um, Yeah, we. 
Anything to add to that, or just? <laughs> I don't know. Well. I don't know if I can. I, you don't. You make a lot of sense. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. Like you said, the Bournemouth game was one of those that I, I think it's a good opportunity for some players to get some time under their belts and get playing, which is good to see. Like Jay Mungie coming back in, I think that's a, an excellent addition. And when he comes back into the main squad, I think he'll be a good addition to the main squad as well. I think he'll suit what Massino likes to play like, that very strong sort of attitude. Um, so it'd be good to see him coming back. And yeah, I, I think we move on from this week and we, we look forward and that's kind of where we need to be now. Let's have a run through of what we can expect from Port Vale then for large parts of this season. Daryl Clark's side, fresh out of League Two, were occupying some remarkable table positions. They've had a bit of a relapse of late. They haven't won an away game since a New Year's Day trip to bottom of the league, Forest Green. But they are still the only team to win at home part this season. Um, other than obviously Plymouth Argyle winning there, but they're the only away team to go to Plymouth this season and win. What are you expecting from this weekend, Ollie? That was a much better delivered um, paragraph, I think. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that this weekend we need to go out and batter them, like we have up until this point. That, that like you said, that they've they've not won away for however long now. You know, we we're in a really good run of form of late. We've got a really good opportunity to go away and just just hammer them home. And I think that's the, that's the attitude we need to do. We need to go there. We need to win. Well, go to Fratton, obviously, and win three nil, four nil, four nil written all over it in my book. Um, and and yeah, just just take them apart, really, and and really show some ambition because that will, I think that will show the mentality of the squad, the mentality of the team. I I know that we can't go out and win every game convincingly and have sixty percent possession, have you know, fifteen shots in a game, six on target, and four goals. That's not going to happen every week. But we have been in such a good run of form of late, and it's looking like a very positive prospect moving towards. The, the latter end of the season, there still is that small glimmer of hope of playoffs looming over us. And if we want to get that, I think that we need to go into this game and, and just batter them. And then that will really cement our standing in amongst the other teams. I think it will also make the other teams stand up and notice and be like, God, you know, these, these guys are a force to be reckoned with come the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I really hope we go away and just hammer them home like, like we should, really. A certain Ellis Harrison will be making a return to Fratton Park on Saturday. He's got 10 league goals to his name this season. And as such, he's Port Vale's top scorer so far. It's no secret that you were never Ellis Harrison's biggest fan during your contributions to the channel and our social platforms back when he was with us as a Pompey player. Perhaps are we feeling it's payback time this weekend? Although we'll be hoping he does a John Mark miss from last weekend and miss a few <laughs> sitters and should they fall his way, would you reckon? Yeah, I mean, Ellis... He's a strange one for me. I, I wasn't a fan of him, not because I didn't think he was good enough, more because I didn't think he did enough with what he had. I felt like he he was he was a player that probably would fit our setup at the minute very well. Um, however, I just felt he was always a bit lazy. I felt that off the ball, he didn't work hard enough. I felt that he was very much reliant on the players around him. Um, you know, he had some moments of absolute magic, didn't he? Some you know some long range headers and some long-range shots and, and and just like bringing a goal out of nowhere. And he had that in him. And that was probably the biggest frustration for me is when you see a player with that amount of talent who can do those things, who isn't grabbing the opportunity and fighting for it and playing for it. Uh, that's why, for me, he wasn't the, the right player for us because I just felt like he was that little bit too lazy, um, which hopefully he is very much still now. You know, because let's face it, we, we don't want him scoring goals. We don't want him terrorising our uh, our back four. So 
hopefully he's um he's not learned and hopefully he's not listening you know let's let's hope he, he's not listening to this and he goes into the game thinking i'm gonna prove that i won't say the word i was gonna think wrong <laughs> Well, I, I doubt he is still a fan of Ford at Lover because he definitely wouldn't have been when he was uh, here with us. Um, straightforward way of doing our best case, worst case, which is a little feature that we introduced a couple of weeks ago. I've, I've just written down here, and you mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, but does Pompey's promotion push still have a pulse? I would probably say just. What about you? Clinging. Clinging on, yeah. The the fact we keep winning is a very good sign, but the, the only problem is when we keep winning, we have to keep winning. Uh, by my estimations, I said last week we needed seven in, in ten. I think we still need seven in nine. Seven in nine gives us 78 points. That gets us in there. I think if we get six in nine, it is going to be tight as a tiger. And we're very much reliant on the other clubs around us messing up. Something we watched during the week this week was Barnsley against Sheffield Wednesday live on Sky Sports Football, which was a very enjoyable watch. It was a, a six-goal thriller. Barnsley took the lead and went 2-0 up. I'm sure you're aware. Sheffield Wednesday brought it back to 2-2 and then Barnsley went and scored another two and made it 4-2 and kind of killed the game off in the end. And it was a, a game that Sheffield Wednesday very much came back into, although it is just around the corner. They had 5,000 away fans in that away end at Oakwell, which was amazing to see. Um, and the support from both sides was excellent. It was a really great advert of League One football. And it kind of got us thinking, didn't it, Ollie? And we, we kind of said this as a result of watching Exeter versus Plymouth back, I think it, I'm just trying to think when it was. I think it was Halloween, I remember seeing it on on kind of a as a, a game on a Monday night that was live on Sky Sports Football. But you'd probably like to see a lot more televised football games in League One. And it's part of the argument that you're about to make now with regards to to the funding model and how money and monetary gain through football sponsorships, advertising, television money, etc., is actually spread across all four divisions. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying to you um, just before we started recording how I feel that there's obviously a massive disparity, and it's very clear. It's not just how I feel, it's the reality of the situation, let's face it. Between Premier League clubs um, and Championship clubs, and then League One clubs. You look at the amount of funding in those three leagues. The the Premiership's obviously the creme of the crop. You know, there's money being thrown around all over the place. Players are on ridiculous amount of money. Uh, so are managers, and so everyone involved in it. There's, there's a serious amount of money involved there. You've then got the Championship sat in the middle, and I think the Championship is much better funded than it ever has been. But it's much more televised than it ever has been. It's much more sponsorable than it ever has been. The level of football's increased. Um, all of those things contributing towards that, and obviously the the money in that league contributes to how much be how better it is and how better it performs. And I I do believe that we have a lot of championship teams uh, in the champ at the minute that could compete in other European top leagues. You know, if you were to put that team into a top league because of the money and the funding in place, they would be relative not competitive as in win the league, but they'd be relatively competitive. Um, and then obviously League One is, is just another thing again, isn't it? It's a massive drop down. And I feel between League One, Two and the, the conference, the, the ergonomics of it isn't that different. You know, I, I think the economy of it isn't that different. I, I think that those clubs, I feel sorry for the people that have to go get sponsorships every year. Because I think that is, you know, it, it's probably not so bad if you're a, a club like Pompey. You know, we've got a massive fan base. We've got, let's face it, 18,000 people. We could say we've got 16,000 season tickets every year. 
you know, we, we on average sell out 20,000 seats a game at home and you're going to have X amount of eyes on you and then you get the odd televised game in the cup and these kind of things that come through. You know, you get those little snippets in there that uh, uh, make it easy to sell. But you imagine if you're in charge of like Crawley trying to get sponsorship for them or Port Vale or, you know, Accrington, for example. You know, Accrington don't even have a bloody roof over their stand on one end. So it's, it's very difficult for those types of clubs to gain that, traction and sponsorship because what exposure is that business getting or that person getting who's sponsoring them you know you're getting maybe three thousand home fans a game what's that actually worth to you so are you are you going to be willing to part with your money that you've spent years earning as a business to, to go sponsor that club probably not uh, which makes it a very hard task so you know we, we have a rule in the uk for some unbeknown reason you're not allowed to watch football on saturday at three o'clock there's that blackout phase isn't there and what I think they should do with that is they should give an opportunity to the lower league clubs to be televised in that slot. Now, the big argument against it has always been um, you don't get as many people in the grounds because that's what they want to encourage people actually going out to the grounds, watching the games, all those kind of things. My argument against that is we've had Friday night football, Monday night football, Sunday football for how long now? In terms of the Premiership and it's how Saturday lunchtime and Saturday tea time as well, let's not forget. And sometimes even a Saturday seven forty-five. So you, you don't see Old Trafford going. Oh, we we've got no one turning up this week because we're on TV Monday night. You know they're still full. Same in the Championship. You know people want to go see the games. Who want to go see the games? You know us Pompey fans aren't going to go. Oh, we're on TV tonight against you know Accrington at home. Oh, I'm not going to bother. If you're a Pompey fan, you go to the game. But what it would do is it would encourage maybe more people to tune in. You know, that Saturday three o'clock time is where a lot of people are in pubs, in bars, in, in areas which have got televised sport. You know, it is a massive, that Saturday afternoon time, I would like to, I wouldn't like to think the amount of people that watch Saturday, uh, what's it called, Gillette Soccer Saturday. You know, they must sit there in their bars, in their pubs, at home with their partners, with whatever, with their mates, having a few drinks, maybe not, maybe just eating some food, watching it, but they're tuning in and seeing it. Now, if they could actually watch a live game of football, they might go, oh, you know what? Let's watch that game instead. Or let's put that on one of the TVs in this pub just so people get a chance of watching it. And it gives that team so much exposure, but it also gives them some revenue and gives them you know, an argument to go to these sponsors and go, you know what? We get two televised games a year, and of those games last season, we had X amount of 100,000 people watching us. Now, even if it's not that many, it's an ad addition to what they've already got. And I don't think that the 3,000 Crawley fans that are turning up to Crawley on Saturday afternoon are going to go, oh, we're not going to watch it. Let's go watch it on the on the box instead. You know, they're there because they want to be there. So I just feel that there's an opportunity there to use that in terms of giving funding across the leagues. I also think that the top levels should invest down more into the grassroots of the sport. They should be targeted with set investments to go you need to be achieving X, Y, Z. You know, I, I find it bamboozling the day, we're, the day and age we're in today that premiership clubs aren't carbon neutral. They all should be. There, there's no reason why they shouldn't be. You know, football club, football grounds are left empty for two weeks most of the time. You know, and they, they use what once every couple of weeks, maybe maybe once a week if they got midweek games, Champions League, that kind of stuff. But the amount of revenue that brings, they, they must be able to offset their emissions and their costs and all those kind of things. And they should they should be more hard... hard harshly targeted to to do more for the community to do more for themselves and and to give back into it you know there's no reason why a premiership club can't partner with a, a league two club and give x amount of funding from the tv rights per year to that club to help them 
you know, sustain themselves and, and not become a, a Bury or, or someone like that, you know, to, to give themselves a fighting chance of, of paying their players a bit better and progressing a bit better. And it should just be more equally fed because it benefits all levels. Mm. When that standard increases, you've seen the championship, how competitive, how much the, the teams and the, the fans love that level of football and love watching it. You know, I can't wait for the day that we're in the champ playing football. I think that'll be, you know, an excellent step forward for us again. And it'll be a very exciting time because there's a chance to win a league, you know, another league. Um, but yeah, I just think that that, for me, that money can be spent better. The, the time on a Saturday could be done better. And I think that we could do a lot more for the lower league clubs using the time wisely and giving them an opportunity to get a bit more revenue through the door. Just to come back to a few bits and bobs that you mentioned there, I um, was thinking at the time, and, and I don't miss to kind of and wish to unearth the kind of the underworld of um, illegal streaming, but I, I know plenty of people who watch Pompey who can't get there to Fratton Park on a Saturday at three o'clock will use the dodgy stick that some people know about to in order to watch the game and and that's absolutely fine and you know VPNs whatever are a thing and and they they do they do benefit the the modern day football fan but at the same time I could see a massive draw I, I just looked at the the fixtures for this coming Saturday so it's Charlton against Wickham Exeter Accrington Fleetwood Lincoln MK Dons Morecambe Peterborough Derby Pompey Port Vale. Now, if you put Peterborough United against Derby County on as the three o'clock televised live Sky game, I think that would get quite a lot of traction. And if you put the kind of the biggest League One game on of the weekend, like they tend to seemingly do in the Premier League, and I know Forest Green Rovers Sheffield Wednesday is live at one o'clock on Sunday, but that's only as a result of the um, the kind of the the international break happening. So that's the reason why there are more televised games in League One this week and this weekend. And we obviously saw Barnsley Sheffield Wednesday, as you mentioned at the top of the conversation, go down really well. The last thing I wanted to mention on that, and you mentioned trickle-down economics there, there between obviously Premier League and and, and maybe them offering some uh, of the, the revenue that they generated on a on a week basis from some of the, the income from match days, Premier League down to League Two. Wigan Athletic, obviously failed to pay their staff for, I think it's the fourth time this week. And as a result have resulted in receiving a three point deduction there. Um, I think I don't want to quote their owner directly. I probably should have looked into this a little bit better. Um, but I think their owner said something like, I'm, um, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised by the fact that we've received this three point deduction, which I was a little bit concerned by. And it kind of made me think back to the times when we, we had our struggles with, um, some of the the almost non-existent owners that we had. And when you look at a club like Wigan Athletic, and I know there's reports that Sheffield United might even be in trouble and, and their two championship clubs are obviously expecting to be playing Wickham in League One next season should Pompey not go anywhere. And that'll be part of our best case, worst case in just a moment and score prediction. But just quickly on, on Wigan, if we can, Ollie, what, what do you make of that whole situation? And, and, and what, as you see it unfolding in front of us, it's a little bit of a concern that, you know, financial fair play rules were brought in as a result of stories like Wigan initially, Charlton, ourselves, Berry, teams that were struggling in terms of issues with finances. And that's something that's still happening in the championship to this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not excusing poorly run businesses, you know, because there, there is that aspect of it, isn't there? You know, you're you're in charge of that business as that's what a football club is, is a business at the end of the day. And you're in charge of it. You've got to crunch the numbers and figure out what you can afford to do and what you can't afford to do. But then sometimes you've got to take a risk and you've got to speculate. And if you've got no room for that risk, then, then you're gone. 
you know, and, and that's the reality of the lower league football. You know, it's financially extremely tight. Week in, week out, you're very much reliant on, you know, who turns up, who doesn't turn up, what kind of a, you know, if you're in a good run of form, then all of a sudden Fratton Park's packed every week. Coming into games, you know, I, I was watching games back the other day and we were look at, I was looking at like a couple of cup games or Tuesday night games and, and the stadium was half empty. And if you're winning the league, that's not the case. You know, you're full to the rafters and you're a very different situation. So you might speculate to go, you know what, we're going to have a good season. We should get X amount of fans in a year. Um, and that's going to give us this as a budget. But actually, you know, if you don't get that and you don't achieve those things and you've overspent your budget because you haven't got the same revenue that you expected, you, you're a goner. And that's what I'm saying about, you know, a little bit of help from those upper clubs. You know, it makes very little difference to them. You know, mm. the amount of money we're talking about is what they'll pay one player for a week. Mm. Yeah, and that will make a huge difference at our level. So those, those kind of things, I, I think it's important to... To, to look at the history of the game and what's happened to these clubs. And it's happening more so now than it ever has done. So I, I really believe that there, there needs to be more done to help clubs in terms of financially in the lower levels and really push us forward. Best case, worst case time. Pompey currently sit ninth with 57 points. Eighth place, Wickham Wanderers above us on 60. Played 37 also. Peterborough, a seventh place, played 37 and 60. So only one goal separates Wickham and Peterborough. Peterborough have a goal difference of plus 16, one six. And Wickham have a goal difference of plus 15. The last playoff place is currently occupied by sixth place Bolton Wanderers on 64 points with 21 plus goal difference, 38 games played to one game more than Pompey, Peterborough and Wickham. And then fifth place, Derby County with 37 games played, 22 plus goal difference and 64 points, the same as Bolton. So with a good win, Wickham away to Charlton this weekend and Peterborough hosting Derby County. We're not expecting those two teams to both get maximum points this weekend. Ollie Pompey could be as high as seventh position within, get this, four points of the playoffs with still a game in hand. Uh, sorry, no, not with a game in hand on Bolton because Bolton aren't playing this weekend, I don't think. But four points, level on games. It could be a little bit exciting, but also we could then maybe lose and be completely at the race completely. So it's <laughs> one of those. Double-edged sword. Yeah, I mean, for me, best case, worst case is where we are now. I don't see us dropping below ninth. The current run of form we're in, the current team we've got, the setup mentality, I don't see us dropping down anywhere beneath where we are today. I only see us really moving forward in my mind's eye. My best case scenario is sit still. I think that that is where we're going to end up at very best. And a score prediction for Saturday? 4 0 all over it. Yeah, you did say 4 0. I'll go for a 3 0. Um, well, that's it from us. Slightly longer than the half hour expecting, but we always seem to overrun here on both 4 0 Sunday Live and the 4 0 podcast. Thanks for joining me, Ollie. Keep the faith. We'll see you over the weekend. And of course, play up Pompey. Play up Pompey with a little bit of a pop filter. So sorry to headphone users. Play up Pompey. <laughs>